Hi, I'm Richard Sefton and this is my podcast, State of Mind, with me, Richard Sefton. It's just coming into the summer months now and it's sometimes easier to forget around this time of year that friends who suffer with anxiety or that neighbour who lives down the road might just need that conversation, that phone call. My podcast is about talking to people, striking up those conversations and including people who could feel left out. If you'd like to reach out, then you can get to me on Twitter at Richard Sefton 3 or if you feel you'd like to talk to someone now, then 116 123 is the number for the Samaritans. Give them a call. Thank you for joining me today on my journey to help end mental health stigma. For over 15 years, my guest today has been in Parliament, has been a former special advisor for the UK Home Office. Um, I met today's guest when we were on LBC's Cross Question last December, but since then we have had Partygate, we've had Beergate, we've had Rwanda, Ukraine. I'm so looking forward to hearing her take on all of this and much, much more. So Claire Pearsall, welcome. How are you? Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. What's the weather like where you are? Uh, it's a bit cloudy, it's a bit overcast, not very sunny, but it's not raining. So there's a, you know, silver lining. Do you know what? It's absolutely beautiful here. I just looked up, <laughs> as I asked you, I looked out of my blinds and it's absolutely gorgeous. So I might take the dogs for a little walk later. And um, whereabouts are you? Um, I'm in Kent, so North Kent, up near sort of Dartford, Gravesend area. Okay, I lived in Erith for a little while. Yeah, that's not far away. Yeah, well, yeah, not at all. my ex lived in Erith. It's kind of, yeah, long story. <laughs> He just decided after six years, (laughs) after six years, he decided he was going to buy a property without me and move to here. So I stayed there a few times and then we called it quits. Yeah, I don't blame you, to be fair. I live in the countryside, so it's a lot nicer. It's a little village, Mm. a load of green space. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, that's where I live now in the middle of, in North Wales, in a tiny village. And it it is, it is lovely. So um, where did you grow up then? Where are you from? And what got you into your line of work? There's the question. Oh, you see, this is sort of quite complicated. I was born in Cyprus. My father was in the army. Ooh. So lived there for six months. And yeah. then we moved back to Southampton where my mum's family were. And then we lived in Germany, back to Southampton. My dad came out of the army and we moved to Kent. Uh, he needed to get a, a job back in the real world. Mm. And London was, you know, the place to go. So my parents just looked at where we could live and settled on a place called Dartford um, which was a little town at the time and and pretty good. My mum then went back into teaching, taught at the school, the infant school where I went just around the corner from where we lived. (laughs) So I grew up there for years and then I started horse riding. Mm. So we looked you know round the stables out in the countryside and my parents decided that the one minute that I fell off during my riding lesson was the minute they stopped watching me. So they would go and drive around the village and have a look and pop into the shops and ended up buying a house one afternoon. So it's entirely my fault that we've ended up out in the countryside. Yours or the horses? Well, a bit of both, really. (laughs) They thought it might be a sort of passing phase, but it it wasn't. And it lasted, oh gosh, about 15, 16 years of horse riding every single day. So that's why we moved out here. So I don't feel like I actually come from anywhere but I adopt Kent as my home county yeah yeah do you still ride now I do yes I've got back into it again Uh, my friend and next door neighbor bought a horse last year and Mm. because we will work full time needed some help so I've got back into it with her and I do a few days a week but sadly I fell off um, about six weeks ago and managed to fracture my pelvis so I've 
not been riding sort of very much. Wow. Uh, so I've just been getting over that really, and it just proves that uh, I'm far too old for this. <laughs> but I can't wait to get back on again. You are so not old. Um, <laughs> when we met on Cross Question, I noticed your gorgeous nails that I think you just had done, and they were beautiful. Um, how does how do they how do things like beauty and stuff like that fall into the horse riding world? Oh, you you still have to do it. I just wear gloves, so I've got <laughs> okay. sort of. Uh, slightly greeny blue sparkly nails at the moment mm. and yeah you just shove on a pair of gloves and have done with it and because they're gels they tend to last a bit longer but it's sort of part of me to have them mm. so I go every three weeks to, to have them done and that's the one thing people always notice because I do like a bit of glitter everyone yeah. spots them so mm -hmm. I think at the time you know sort of blue glitter is always my go-to but these ones, these are sort of summaries. Is that the conservative, the conservative glitter? <laughs> I, I can't help it. It's really bad, isn't it? Because pretty much all of my dresses are blue. Um, oh, wow. My nails are blue. <laughs> you know, the back of my uh, phone case is a blue glitter. Oh, and, it, you know, people sort of just look at me and go, oh, dear, you know, there's no hope for you whatsoever. So I try and mix it up from time to time. Do you know what, but though? What's morning, funny? As you said that, I looked down at my phone and it's red. <laughs> and, and I'm wearing a red T-shirt. <laughs> I'm but that's, but it's it's not it's not like any representation. But hey oh. I know it's funny, isn't it? You just sort of go to these colours and you you know, you stick with them. You know, I'm looking around my table and everything is blue. I've got a yellow diary though, so you know, oh. Ed Davy, I'm represented for you as well. There you go, bit of equal opportunities. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, what got you into your line of work then? What got you into into politics, into into uh, the the seats of power, the houses of power? I fell into it by mistake. Now I've okay. always I've always been interested in politics and as a kid my dad got in with a sort of local MP in the local party and we would go out delivering leaflets. Mm -hmm. So I used to go with him and feel this was, you know, a very important job. Not really understanding it. And then you sort of live through things like the Falklands War and my parents explained what was going on and Margaret Thatcher was at the fore when I was growing up mm -hmm. and I saw that as oh this is really interesting and that's a woman and she's really important and you know whether you love her or loathe her she had a massive impact on the United Kingdom at that time and you looked at it and as a kid growing up it was like oh I could do that that's really impressive she's bossing all of these people around and I quite liked that so, you know, didn't think much more of it, went through school, didn't know what I wanted to do and then sort of fell into politics when I was in London. So I was living in London. I was an office manager at a, a physio practice mm. organising, you know, and it was great fun, really enjoyed it. But knew an MP in the, the pub that I used to go to. Yeah. And one day he just said to me, oh, do you fancy coming and doing some work with me? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> And it was a time when I was not particularly enamoured with my job. I'd been there for a couple of years and I wasn't going to go any further. So I said, yeah, actually, let's do this. So I ended up working on the 2005 election campaign, mm. which was a brilliant introduction into the world of politics. Who is that then, the leader, Michael Howard? The leader was Michael Howard, but I actually yeah. went and worked for the vice chair at the time, who was Liam Fox. Okay. So I went and worked with him and we did the... 2005 election campaign mm. and then when that finished it was like oh I don't want to leave I really enjoy this I was going to say how exciting was it from being an outsider really than to being an insider 
it was it was great and politics was slightly different then mm. you used to be able to go out and do campaigns and people weren't spectacularly rude to you they were mm. slightly rude but you didn't feel under threat everybody was just sort of each party had their campaign teams and you all knew where you were going to be and you came across the same people and it was fine. You had different politics, but you were out there for the same reason, yeah. which is very, very different to now. Mm-hmm. So it, it was amazing. I got to do some really cool things. I went on a helicopter ride wow. down to Bournemouth to do a campaign piece. And it was just the most fun I think I've ever had and really, really hard work. Mm. So when it finished, it was like, oh, I'm not ready for this to end. I really enjoy this. And the leadership contest then took up. Michael Howard decided he would stand down after mm-hmm. losing the election. And Liam decided that he would run for leader. <laughs> so he said, oh, do you want to come and work on my campaign team? I was like, oh, absolutely. So I did that. And I, that was the one time I've never worked so hard in my life. Long days, very sort of heavy on the sort of, starting early in the morning late at night entertaining you were sort of burning the candle at both ends but i absolutely adored it Mm. and that ran all the way up until the october and sadly we we were not successful but it was i got to know a lot of people and i got to understand how parliament works and really really just got so addicted to that life that i couldn't leave yeah. So as soon as that was finished, I managed to find employment with another MP and then start working on constituency casework. And, and, and it sort of all snowballed from there. Mm. And so now you've done it. So it's more like 17, 18 years. It is now. Yes. Yeah. It's sort of end of 2004 that I started. Wow. So it's yeah, longer back. than I care to remember now. <laughs> I feel part of the furniture. <laughs> so are you a well-known face, like, uh, as you're walking around and, and stuff in, in, say, I don't know, the Houses of Parliament, are you a very well-known face? Everyone would come up and say hello sort of thing. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny place because even though you're sort of from a, a different party, you end up making friends with people across the political divide. Mm-hmm. So you end up talking to Labour MPs, to Labour staffers, to Lib Dems. I've got some friends in the SNP. Mm. Because it's it's almost once you get in there, it is a bubble, as everybody says, but you all, if, if the place is under attack from the media or from what events are going on, you all close in together. It, it's a mm-hmm. very funny atmosphere. It would be and nice yeah, to see that a bit around. more, maybe. In, in, in the Sorry? public sphere, it would be nice to see that a bit more, maybe. Uh, yeah, and I, and that's the real shame of it because the sort of camaraderie and cross-party working is huge, but mm-hmm. that's what you don't see. And there are a lot of debates, a lot of committees that go on, and you end up talking to, to newer MPs on all sides, and you have the same issues. It doesn't matter what you know what your party affiliation is, you have the same issues. Your constituents want something, your party wants something, you're under pressure from your whips, from the public, from your family. So you all have the same experiences. And that bit of it, it's, it's more like a sort of very dysfunctional family, is the mm. best way I can describe it. That you all share those stories, you all share the experiences. Mm-hmm. You can have your differences and that's absolutely fine. You don't spend every day arguing with the person that you come across. No. And quite often... 
I've learned an awful lot from Labour members that you think, oh, actually, that's quite sensible. And you said, you know, you look at the policy areas and it, it's it's quite interesting that you don't mm -hmm. ever think you'll agree with somebody. But when you come down to it and you have a proper conversation, you, most of the ideas are very, very similar. We just present them in different ways. And yeah. that's what people don't see. So you're not constantly at each other's throats. You don't ignore each other when you walk past. Everybody says hello. And mm -hmm. I love that kind of atmosphere. And you get some really interesting takes on what's going on and how people deal with things, which, you know, in everyday life is really, really important. What's the um, what's the security like at the minute? Is it is it high? Are you high alert with, with the Ukraine? Well, with everything that goes on in the world, I suppose, what's it like at the minute compared to how it has been in the past? You've seen over the years that the threat levels have gone up. Mm. Parliament is always one of those very risky places. You, I, didn't, yeah. I never feel unsafe. Mm. Uh, I've worked there through the 7-7 bombings. That's what I was thinking, actually, place. the year that you came in. That would have been around then. Yeah, it, yeah, and it was, you know, that was frightening. Yeah. Because we didn't know what was going on. We were just locked in a building. Mm. And it was at the time when there was not really any social media. You, the phone networks, mobile phone networks got taken over by the emergency services. So you couldn't mm. call people very easily. And I do remember sort of going into the opposition leader's office, which was Michael Howard's office. Yeah. And they had a television on. And we were just watching these things unfold. And you'd hear little whispers of, you know, the cabinet's being recalled and the shadow cabinet's being recalled. And it, it was it was just very, very strange. So, But you didn't feel unsafe. You, you were protected by men with guns. So, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of felt probably the safest out of anybody in a place that was a massive target so that was very strange i've also been there sadly through the uh killing of uh pc keith palmer oh god yeah um with the chap who right ran over people on westminster bridge mm. which was again very very scary and my office at the time was probably about 200 meters from where it happened mm. and that was incredibly scary Mm -hmm. But again, we were all looked after, we were locked in, we were told what was almost what was happening, not very much about it, but we had Sky News, we had uh, mobile phones that worked, we had social media, so you could keep in touch with people and let them know you were okay. You would also learn, I think I learned probably more from the breaking news on news channels than I did through the parliamentary authorities, but, you know, that's to be expected. Mm. But it's, it's, um, it's a funny place. When I first started, you could walk in through one of the entrances, say you were coming to see an MP, and they would just let you in. <laughs> These days, you have to go through airport-style security. So I think that's just a sign of the times. I've never been but inside, you know. In there, it's it's incredibly safe. I've spoken. I've spoken. Well, I've I've, I've met you. I've, I've I've spoken to Andy McDonald and um, David Hansen and Edwina Curry, Ian, obviously. Um, not one per I've got a good friend who worked, I think she's, um, I don't know if she still is, but she was Theresa May's uh, private secretary. Um, you might know her, actually, Jenny. Um, yes. Do you, do you know Jenny? Oh, I do, yes, I, I do. Love, I've come across Jenny. her. She's lovely. Yeah, absolutely. I've known Jenny for <laughs> longer than 20 years now. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've never been invited into the Hazard Parliament. I've, I would love to because no. it's such a beautiful building. I'd love to see the inside. Oh, well, I'm well, just hinting it. here. 
You have to. You have to come. Come and see. It's an invite. Thank you, Claire. It's the most beautiful place, and that's what Mm. I often say to people. It doesn't matter what's going on. You can walk through into central lobby, where which is the piece Mm -hmm. that everybody sees on uh, news reports and the state opening of parliament, and you just stand there, and it's such a stunningly beautiful space. And I always feel so privileged to be there. I was just going to say, can you use that space? If you're feeling particularly stressed or or scared, like you've just said, can you use things like that to to to, to ground yourself? The view of the river, the the building that you're in, the you know the 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 beauty around you. Absolutely, and Central Lobby is one of those places, and you can just go and you can look at the architecture. You can just think of all the people that have been there before you. Mm-hmm. You know, you are sort of a footnote in history, but the building is just beautiful. Take the politics out of it. Mm-hmm. And it is a real privilege and an honour to be there. And sometimes you just need to go and walk through that and stop and have a look and look at the stained glass and look at the statues, look at the carvings and the ornate gold work. And, you know, <laughs> I don't care when people sort of say, oh, we need to knock it down and Parliament needs to move somewhere else. If you come in and see it, you'll understand why we're so attached to it. Well, no, it, I, 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 I can. People go and they look at, they look at. Um, I was going to call it Big Ben, but that's the actual bell inside, isn't it? But uh, is it the Elizabeth Tower? Yes, it's renamed the Elizabeth Tower. Yeah, and people look at this and, 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 and they don't tend to look down at the rest of it a lot of the time. And it's such a beautiful building. It's got to be one it of the is, most beautiful I, buildings know, in the country. It is. It's. It was never meant for to be an office as it is nowadays, mm. for as many people, and it is falling down and mm. it does leak, and there are mice, but I wouldn't swap it. <laughs> There's lots of rats as well. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of those. <laughs> but it's just. It's just the history when you uh, when you think of uh, Guy Fawkes, mm-hmm. and they still have this really great tradition that on the night before uh, bonfire night, yeah. the wardens will go around and they will still stamp along the the top of the cellar where they found the gunpowder all those years ago. Wow. So there's still a procession every time and they go through and they, they hit the ground, which is what they did to find out that there was a space underneath where the barrels of gunpowder were. I love that. So they still do that to this day, which so, I just find fascinating. Are there... This this sounds like I'm really naive now, and I should maybe have remembered the poem because I don't know if it even says it in that. But is there are there tunnels leading out of Westminster Palace to other places then? Do yes, you, that you yeah, know there's, yeah. there's loads of tunnels under it. So there's uh, tunnels under the palace itself, and they go up Whitehall wow, towards yeah. Downing Street. I'm not sure if it goes directly into Downing Street. I. I it's You'd think they would have I done don't think that. They like to tell us. You'd think they would have, shouldn't? Surely, but then I saying that, been, I think I think they've probably closed it off now so that we don't look at it. But I, it definitely yeah. goes up through Whitehall. Uh, you know, it's it's a whole maze under there. I've heard there's there's tunnels from Downing Street to off licenses, <laughs> but that might be. <laughs> <laughs> so, Do you sorry. Have not heard that. <laughs> that may not be true. Just disclaimer there. <laughs> no, I mean that's fascinating, isn't it? That would have helped them during the party gate saga if they could have done that without wheeling a suitcase. <laughs> Nobody would have seen them. Get down the tunnel. A Come on. Wine Come on, Allegra. Get down the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, there's a what? A big wine cellar, is there? 
there is there's a big wine cellar i don't know how much is in it again you know i'm i'm probably a slightly lower grade pay level i don't get invited to these things but I, from what i understand there is a huge wine cellar so uh, that's i think sort of somewhere between parliament and the cabinet office wow maybe they were just topping it up then maybe that's all they were doing making sure that it was restocked i think that's a very very um optimistic outlook (laughs) i don't think they were buying the kind of wine that you would find in the wine cellar can you go and get some lambrini please we've ran out (laughs) precisely i think that's the level that we were dealing at It wasn't going to be so, you know, some very, very vintage, expensive bottle. Yeah, from Tes- from the local Tesco's. Yes. <laughs> yeah, can we have one of those those uh, six thousand dollar bottles, please? Fat pound bottles, please. Yeah, I, th- I think this was, you know, sort of two for ten quid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it if it serves a, I don't actually drink wine. That's 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 wrong, isn't it? Maybe I should take well, it. Well, no, I don't. To be fair, it. I don't drink at all, really. I drink the odd, the occasional. Um, drink but it doesn't it doesn't I, I'm a bit crazy anyway so I don't really need it well I mean that's that's the same I I, I always sort of look at it and I drink if I'm in company mm. I'll maybe have one or two I don't drink at home my husband doesn't drink anyway so to me it's a social thing and I'll have a couple but I'm not sort of too bothered either way now you mentioned your husband there um I find this fascinating because of your job and who you work for and because of your husband's job and who he works for. I find that fascinating. Um, I bet it leads to some interesting chats at dinner. Uh, (laughs) Explain. (laughs) Okay, so my husband is Nigel Nelson, who is the political editor of the Sunday Mirror, which is a Labour-leading newspaper. He is very much a a Labour-supporting individual. He was a Remainer, I am a Tory, I was a Brexiteer, and we do, I mean, we've never argued over politics, which is what people can never, ever believe. Mm. We will discuss everything that's going on. We, we've discussed Brexit to the nth degree, we've had many years to do that, but we've never fallen out over. Have either of you changed your mind at all on, on it during no. these discussions? No. No. no, I, I think that's true of the country, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and, and, and I think that's probably representative of everybody, is that you have your decision. Mm-hmm. And he fully accepts that his side lost, mm-hmm. and we just have to get on with it. Yeah, It doesn't mean he's happy with it, but you know, he's not one of these that would like to rejoin or wants another referendum. He said, okay, right, you know, what do we do now to move on? Mm-hmm. Which is, is probably quite a healthy point to have. So he doesn't like the fact that we've done it, but, you know, he says, what's the point in in arguing for something that's never going to happen again, Mm -hmm. which I quite like. And, you know, I will give him all the reasons that I did it for sovereignty reasons. It wasn't immigration, which a lot of people assume it was. A a lot of people assume that of you or or just in general? Yeah, they do. They do. They sort of, they, people make assumptions when you're a conservative that you are extremely right wing you don't want immigration you know it do you think that's not... always been the case or has yeah, that changed the last I... five six years I, I think it's highlighted it in the last five to six years i think it's one of those things that when everybody assumes that you're a tory you're very rich you live in a massive house 
you don't like immigration <laughs> you know you have private funds and all the rest of it which do you <laughs> no, God, all of I those really things wish I, did. I really wish i did and when you say to people do you know what for, for nine years i was a single parent yeah and they sort of look at you mm. and sort of go oh oh yeah and i didn't go to university either mm-hmm. oh oh and you're a tory so, yeah, you know, you don't have to have these things, these attributes to be a Tory. And Nigel gets that. And, you know, he's more of a Blairite lefty than anything else. Mm-hmm. So some of our ideas actually are very, very similar, because if you look at the Blair politics... Would you, I was going to say, would Cameron you say you're centre-right? I would say so. I mean, uh, I always thought I was probably more to the right. But over the years, you... you I don't know if it's it's something to do with learned experience and, and life, yeah. but I'm not as right wing as perhaps I thought and everybody else's thoughts of me. Mm. So, yes, I, I think probably centre right is about where I am. See, I was pushed into it. <laughs> I was pushed into it. Um, I voted for Cameron. I think that was the first time I voted. Um yeah. Oh, I'm going to lose lots of listeners for this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I voted for Cameron. Um, no, I didn't. No, my first vote was for Nick, <laughs> Nick Clegg. And do you know the reason was because I thought he was quite attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it was genuinely that. And Given then... the years of politics that we've had, and uh, yeah. politicians were not attractive. No. And then suddenly we had this sort of new wave of them came mm-hmm. through from the Blair years onwards. Mm. And I can see that. I can get it. I'm not sure that's how you base your vote. But, it was my yeah. first one. I was naive. And then I was more naive next time I voted for David Cameron. And then I decided, hang on, I, I don't agree with... I, I'm on the I'm on your husband's side on the Brexit um, debate. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I'm going to have to go... And, and Lib Dems had this, you know, bollocks to Brexit slogan. But I yeah. thought, no, that's, it's not, that's not going to catch... Because I was kind of where your husband is. I, I wanted to fight it, but I thought, well, they've, they've won. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go through. It's going to happen. We know that. Um, and this sounds horrible, but I was left with, I want to vote for Labour, but I've got Jeremy Corbyn. I did vote for Labour, but I would have preferred someone like Keir Starmer. Then. Yeah, you see, but that's, that's a, the interesting thing about politics. And I think people don't necessarily understand that your political views evolve over the years mm. well some people don't though do off. they sorry some people's don't like 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 some people go with what the parents voted for their grandparents in fact that was me my grandparents um they lived in a little council house and <laughs> and i don't know if they struggled all their life but they certainly weren't rich to any stretch of the imagination um but always voted conservative absolutely loved margaret thatcher um stuff like that um and <gasps> And that was yeah. my first sort of political uh, knowledge, I suppose. Was 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 that? I, th- I think you do, and I think when you're younger, you you accept sort of what your parents or your family members say, and and what they watch and what they read. So you build a view on that. But also, I think as you get older yourself, if you go through college or university, or in my case, you go to work, you come across different people. Mm. And suddenly your horizons are widened. And that's why I think that politics evolves and parties need to evolve. And when they don't, that's a real problem. And I think you saw that with the Corbyn era, Mm -hmm. that it was a very set idea of what the Labour Party should be. It was socialist. It was a revolution of that. Mm -hmm. And the public went, actually, 
that's not what we want. You know, there are Labour supporters, but they're not socialists yeah. in that sort of really heavy sense of the word, which is why, you know, they weren't successful in the election. Mm. People didn't want that. They wanted a left-leaning government, but they didn't want it to go too far. And it's just, And I think we will see that now, that people want a right-leaning government but not veering off to the far right Mm -hmm. and it's always these extremes and somewhere in the middle and everybody has this elusive middle ground that they're chasing but it's sort of shades of all of it and that's that's what I found is living with my husband you you debate ideas so much that your I your ideologies do change a little Mm -hmm. the fundamentals never will I'm a very much, you know, a capitalist, which he always laughs at. Um, and he isn't. And those fundamentals will never change. But everything else, you talk, you adapt, you have new ideas about something and you debate it. And I, that's what I think is really, really healthy. When you polarise and you stick with this is the only way, then I, I just don't think you grow as a nation. I don't think you grow as a person. Mm. The parties stagnate. And... At the moment, I think we're seeing that again, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I think it makes more sense that the parties should learn from each other and take elements of each other's um, ideas. <clears throat> and it would be nice if, if I mean, I know I know the, the, the thousands or hundreds of years of, of, of politics di- dictate otherwise, but it would be nice if they could just all get together and just be like one big party and all, all pitch in to get a better society and all say bits. Because there's got to be, I mean, I don't agree with these people that say all Tories are scum. All t- I mean, that's not me slagging off Angela yeah. Rayner because I don't think she said that. Um, I think she said the people at the top of the party or something, didn't she? But um, anyway, I, yeah, I don't agree with, with people like that. I've got nothing against Tory voters or anything like that, like a lot of people do. I do struggle when it comes to Boris Johnson. But one good thing, you mentioned Margaret Thatcher before and you said lover or hater. I think one good thing that Boris Johnson's done, and it pains me to say because I'd never normally say that he's done anything good, is that he seems to have allowed people to see that Margaret Thatcher wasn't the the beast that everyone thought she was. Um, she had principles, and uh, this is this is my take. Obviously, I, I don't know what your take on Boris Johnson is, but I can't stand the man myself. <laughs> but he's allowed people to see that actually Margaret Thatcher, and and also as well Theresa May, and go, okay, so Theresa May wasn't the worst prime minister ever, which I think was unfair anyway. But um, uh, in my opinion, that's what that's what good Boris Johnson's done. Allowed people to see that other people are better than him. <laughs> well, I don't I don't disagree with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, really don't. I mean, I'm no fan of the Prime Minister and I've made that abundantly clear whenever I've been out on the media that yeah. I don't think he's the right person to do this job no. for many, many reasons. Mm. But you're right. I think you can look at Thatcher and you understood what it was she stood for. Mm. You take Blair, you understood what Blair stood for. Yeah. And the same with Cameron. And then it got a little confusing and Theresa May came along and I think she's great. I will put that out there and mm-hmm. people will hate me for it. But I think she's brilliant. Yeah. But you're owning she's that just... by saying I think. So people shouldn't hate you for that. That's your opinion. <laughs> you're allowed people that. Do. People do. It's quite interesting. But she, as, a, as an individual, she was so incredibly hardworking and knew the detail and considered mm. everything. Mm-hmm. She would be an amazing you know, president of, I don't know, something like the WI. Mm. 
not necessarily for prime minister and i think there's your real problem so mm. we've gone from that to somebody with all of the personality and i'm yeah. no fan but when you hear him speak at uh, dinners or conferences he's brilliant i can imagine that obviously i've not but i can imagine that this charisma that everyone talks about i know what it's like to be pulled in by charisma um yeah. and i know how easy it happens um, yeah, and he is. Yeah. He's he is very, very good, and people want to listen to him. People queue for hours to listen to him, mm-hmm. and when he's on form, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> when he's talking about Peppa Pig, the world. Role of, <laughs> no, you know, so the role of prime minister, you do need to have some gravitas, some attention to detail. Mm. You will have to make some really unpopular decisions. And he doesn't have that. And that's the one thing you notice. He wants to be popular. Yeah. And unfortunately, being prime minister means that half of the country is always going to hate you. Mm. And he doesn't deal very well with that. So this is why I think we've seen a lot of the U-turns that we've seen, you know, the endless U-turns on policy decisions because he's realised that Mm -hmm. people don't like it. Do you think there's one coming on the um, windfall tax? Well, it does sound like it. Yeah. And it... You, you sort of almost put your head in your hands and think, as a Conservative, I'm against a windfall tax on you know sort of a number of reasons. But he was against it, and then you're looking at he's softening his position, and then yesterday's press was saying, well, it looks like it might be around the corner. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't understand at the moment which party I'm in, which is very, very strange and very disconcerting. Mm. that I'm a Conservative, but I'm having difficulty defending the central government view of Conservatism. Mm -hmm. And I don't. And, you know, that's probably why my party hate me as much as they do at the moment, because it's not what I believe in. And it's it's very it's a very odd position to be in. What do you think the hold and, is that? Because because it seems like this is all coming from the the change and the the like you say your party don't think much of you at the minute because of your views, but your views are traditional conservative views. So what do you think that that pull is that that hold that 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 Boris Johnson seems to have over the party? I'm assuming it's 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 from him and 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 no one else. But it seems to he seems to have changed it completely and everyone seems to have gone along skip, skipping. Do you know what I mean? Holding hands, not fighting against it. They they do. And, you know, to put it very bluntly, he was an electoral success. <clears throat> yeah. So all of the faults that you knew about Boris Johnson, and we'd seen him over the years, it's not as if he'd not been around. Mm. They overlooked it, the party overlooked it, members overlooked it because he wins elections. Mm -hmm. And I think it boils down to something as simple as that. You know, Conservatives like to win. Yeah. Or, you know, all politicians do. Nobody wants to lose anything. But Conservatives especially. So they look at him and think, well, here's a real electoral asset. Let's deal with the fact that, you know, he's not so great on the detail and his private life is a bit of a car crash (laughs) because we can wheel him out and people will vote for us. Mm. And that's the maths that they did at the time. And I think that's changing. I really do. Because as we've seen in the last set of local elections, not so much of an electoral asset anymore. Mm. Yeah, but it did, I mean, and that was it, only it, a small set of elections. That was um, what, last week? 
and still, I mean, yeah. nothing's ha- it's not gone anywhere. <laughs> but nothing's, I've not even heard no. any whisperings or anything. So it's like... Oh, there, there are whispers. Yeah. I mean, it, I think people are, people are weighing up when is the right time to do it. But I've, I've heard moment, that go on quite a while, especially since December. Oh, let's wait and see what the Sue Gray says. Oh, let's wait and see if he gets a yeah. fine. Oh, let's wait and see what, this, what the local elections bring. And all of these things. And then there's always something else coming along. Oh, let's leave him a bit longer because of Ukraine. And I, I just think like he's Mr. Invincible. It does feel like that. Mm. I mean, I do, you know, I think the Sue Gray report was a very useful excuse for a lot of people not to make a decision yeah. and not to put out there what they think. So where is it now? <laughs> where well, where is, is it, it, Claire? We want it, we want it to come out. Yes. We, you know, and I, I, I bet your husband do. does. Yes. <laughs> He'll probably see it before I will. Yeah. <laughs> give him a, get, I, get I, him to yeah, give me a call. I, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm first in line. Don't worry. <laughs> but I, I think that's, you know, that will be the sort of death knell if it's going to happen. So the Sue hmm. Gray report, the Mets report photographs that are allegedly out there they will all come out and i think that will cause much more of a problem everybody's been hiding behind it by saying well look you know there's an investigation we need to wait which is kind of fair enough but what's going to happen when it does come out you Mm. know i've i've been out there since last year saying that i don't believe he needs to be prime minister and he should move along yeah but I'm in a sort of very small camp of people. I hope I'm on the right side of history. I could not be, and I could never work in politics again. But For what it's worth, I think you are. However, who would you have in place? Who would you want to replace him? Oh, you see, now, th- this is always the question you get, and this is always the difficulty. Hmm. You don't know until people put their names forward. Oh, yeah, that's not me saying that it shouldn't happen. I, I, I believe... Well, it sounds like like you that he shouldn't be. I think the longer he is our prime minister, the more damage he's doing. And I've got nothing. Like I said, I've got nothing against the fact that the Tories are in power, that people voted them in. That's democracy. I just don't think it should be him heading it. Yeah, and and I think that's where a lot of us a lot of us are at. Um, I'm up for election next year, and I sort of look at it and think I could lose my council seat, mm-hmm. which will be down to him. Yeah. It doesn't matter the work that I do it's always going to come back to, well, that man's your prime minister. Yeah. And therefore, you know, you've got a blue rosette, you're a conservative, you are just as bad as they are. Mm. And that's that's the problem that you have, is that people just assume you're the same. So who do I want to take over? It's, it's, oh, it, it's a really difficult question because there is no natural successor. Mm. And normally when you come up to these sorts of situations you have somebody waiting in the wings that you just go this is the person do you think jeremy hunt will jump up again i think he will but i'm not convinced that he would be that successful Hmm. i'm not sure that we want to go back to that level of managerial style of leader that we've had previously (laughs) i mean he's extremely clever but again it's that personality and charisma and i think yeah you want your prime minister to have something about them Mm. but not too much yeah i get that completely um let's touch on mental health for a bit how do you cope with being in such a high-paced environment um how how does it impact on on your mental health this is i mean it's it's really interesting because i i work for an mp Mm. so 
when you meet MPs, they always seem supremely confident, but actually mm -hmm. they're all pretty, um, I don't even know how I can put this delicately, slightly neurotic. <laughs> they're not that confident. They need constant reassurance. Mm. It's a very insecure uh, job to have. <laughs> so you have... You have that. So I, I look after an MP and I, I'd spend, I always tell people that I'm a sort of bag carrier, I'm a social worker, I'm a carer, <laughs> because that's what I do. Because I have to make sure that she is okay <sighs> to go out there and do her job. So whatever the stress coming in, I take it from her and I deal with it. And that seems to be my role in life. I do it with my son, I do it with my husband. It, it, I'm, I take everybody else's stress and I, I quite enjoy that level of chaos mm. which is why this career isn't for isn't for everybody i i like chaos i i can deal with it quite happily as long mm -hmm. as everybody i make everybody else's life organized <laughs> so i probably don't deal with the stress myself i probably compartmentalize it don't deal with it and hope that i'll be okay which you know touch wood I am. And there are days when you don't know which way is up and it's all awful. And I will cycle through the, I want to leave. I don't want to do this anymore. I hate everything. I'm going to run away. And then you get, you know, sort of put yourself in check a little bit and just go, right, you know, all we have to do is get through this morning. All we have to get through is the afternoon. All we have to get through is the next day. And you break it down. And I suppose that's how I manage it. Mm. Um, I like to go out for a walk, I like to go and deal with a horse, and that gives me some time away from it all, which is very much needed. And it's quite nice to go off and ride and actually just leave your phone somewhere else. Yeah. Because otherwise you are on call 24 hours a day and you never get away from it. So for an hour to just go and potter around on a horse and not have to deal with it... Mm is lovely i mean you come back to it it's never going to go away but just that little space is is actually really really quite nice i don't do it enough because sometimes i take my phone mm. in my pocket and then you you know you're sort of tempted to look why at it and... what makes you do that if so if it's a big news day or something like that yeah because there's always that fear of missing out mm -hmm. and that's the addictive side of politics there's Absolutely. always something happening and at the mm. moment it seems to be something happening every day so you mm. don't ever want to miss it. You like to know what's going on. I mean, that's I suppose that's how I deal with it. It's, as long as I know what's coming, then I can deal with it. It's when it comes out of left field that you you need to sort of have some time to think about it, and quite often you don't. Mm. So I like to kind of keep over things, but sometimes it's just very good to wear a you know something which doesn't have pockets, so you have to leave your phone <laughs> alone. Yeah, so I, I talk to clients about that, actually, taking little phone holidays. When I say holidays, I mean like a couple of hours or whatever. Um, yeah. So if you walk into the Houses of Parliament, <clears throat> is it one of those environments where you can feel the stress? Is everyone highly stressed? It it depends. Uh, sometimes, yes, I think it really does depend what's, what's going on. But uh, certainly through all the Partygate stuff, you walked in and you can feel it mm. it's very uncomfortable everybody is looking at everybody else who they're talking to mm -hmm. there are little sort of groups of people all over the place and you're all sort of looking suspiciously around at everyone 
thinking who's leaking who's you know talking about that but <laughs> who's got connections yes. to the mirror <laughs> yes <laughs> can I just point out it wasn't me <laughs> I will hold my hands up and say I wish it was it really wasn't <laughs> Yes, dear husband, I want a million pounds for this, and then I'll give you some information. Precisely, and you know, he can't give me any money, so therefore yeah. it's never happening. So it couldn't have been you. Oh, damn. I got, no, got it wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm also not allowed to be paid for anything like that anyway. No. The, the rules are quite uh, straightforward. But no, sadly, I didn't, I didn't have that knowledge. But you do, you feel it. It is stressful. Mm. Um, and... The when when it works well is it when you're all under pressure. So the expenses scandal of two thousand eight, two thousand nine mm-hmm. was one of those occasions where everybody <clears throat> was being hit with it. Yeah. So it wasn't just one party, it was everybody. So you all kind of grouped together and it was almost sort of strength in numbers. Mm. I'm not suggesting for one minute that what happened was right. There was an awful lot that was wrong with the expenses system and there were some real scandals. Yeah. And it needed to be sorted. But it caught everybody in the same net. So people like me who work for an MP would get abused down the phone by constituents saying, oh, well, you're in it for the money. And really, you're not. When you Mm. work in Parliament, you're not. You're not in it for the money. Mm. You don't get expenses. You haven't got a second home. You you know, all of these things that uh, politicians are accused of. But yeah. staff were taking the brunt of it. So that's, you all yeah, sort of group nice. together. Mm. So um, there, is there anything inside to kind of um, help with mental health? Um, I, I think I spoke to, it was either Andy McDonald or David Hansen that told me that one MP was organising mindfulness I can't I need to listen back yes. to my podcasts. <laughs> yeah, no, there were there were mindfulness <clears throat> sessions set mm. up. So you could go at a lunchtime and there was a mindfulness session for an hour in one of the committee rooms. It's gorgeous. Which was on it's offer lovely. to everybody. And I mean I I didn't take it I mean this I mean this is awful. I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Which I know you could make the argument that I would should make time for yeah. it. But I, I just didn't. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, I, d- I don't sort of deal well with that. Yeah. For some people it works. Um, but for me, I think being told that I have to come and, you know, relax for an hour, I find that very stressful. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's not a lot of support. It's getting better. There is a, a whole sort of well-being um, area now that of things that you can access. So you can access some therapy if you need it. You can be referred on. You can just have somebody to talk to about things like debt problems or addiction problems. So mm-hmm. that in itself has got a lot better. It might have been Anna Subri actually that told me that. Um, now I'm thinking about it because I think we were talking about that. Anyway, um, she's no longer there, sadly. I liked Anna no. Subri. Um, so do you get to meet, like, have you met Boris Johnson? Have you met Keir Starmer? Have you met... Sarah Davy, uh, Ian Blackford. Have you met all of the, the like the party leaders? Yeah, you, I mean it's it, it's funny because you just come across them. Hmm. Um, I had a chat with Keir Starmer in the coffee queue, <laughs> randomly, um, and I've met Jeremy Corbyn again <laughs> in the coffee queue. He seems like a very I nice guy, to be fair, Jeremy Corbyn. What's he like? And I, yeah, I've, I've already said politically, I'm no, a massive fan, but he seems like a very nice guy. 
He was very, very polite. Okay. Um, I, you know, I don't agree with him politically, but as a person, he was incredibly polite. He was chatty. And, yeah, I mean, that's the way I sort of take people. Mm. How polite are you? <laughs> How, you know, do you hold a door open? You know, do you chat in the coffee queue? You know, it's it's sort of basic things like that. And you remember that these are still people. Yeah. So they might be quite famous and party leaders, but they're still individuals. They still have a family. They still have a life. Absolutely. And I think that's always really important. And, you know, there are some people there that I don't particularly like, but that's just because give us they're names. not particularly nice people. <laughs> no, no, couldn't possibly do that. I'm joking, I'm um, joking. I know you can't. <laughs> <clears throat> but you come across people that you don't like in everyday life. So why Absolutely, should yeah. Parliament be any different? And Parliament's supposed to represent, well, it's supposed to be a representation of, of, of society, surely, in some way. Yes, and you do. And you come across people from different areas, from different backgrounds, different political <laughs> beliefs. There are, you know, different regions and all the rest of it. And, it, and it's a really good melting pot. And, and then there's you know, my it, MP. But I mean, that's, that's the really interesting thing about it is that you all mingle around together. So, you know, you have to go and queue up for food and, or a coffee or you sit at a table and you, you, you just sort of come across people. And I've, I've met so many of the Labour Party that I wouldn't have met. I've met Ed Miliband, who I think is brilliant. Yeah. I see you know, the and, reason that I couldn't. Uh, I, I feel stupid even saying this now, but I was so naive. And the reason that I didn't want him to become PM in was it twenty fifteen? Yeah. The reason that turned me off him, which is horrible now and a really stupid naive when when voting. I shouldn't have had a vote. Was his voice? Yeah. How weird's yeah. that? I know. I know. And the, it was that clubby thing that he had in his voice. Like it felt like he he had stuff in his mouth. <laughs> Yes. ridiculous but it is and it and it is that and but you make judgments about people in everyday life mm. about what they wear about what they say about what accent they have everybody mm-hmm. does it and politicians are just out there on a on a bigger scale for everybody to criticize yeah um but i got chatting to him when i was working at the home office he had some cases immigration cases that he was dealing with and i was sent to sort some stuff out for him yeah and when you get talking to somebody, so we, we dealt with the cases that he he had, and then he would just chat, you know, he would just sit and chat with you. <laughs> and it was really interesting. Um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds, I, that, that would be very interesting. Just for the record, I think he's an amazing politician now, and I don't mind his voice, and I wish I could have had a slap around the head in 2015. Um, you know, when you say that, like, you know, people queuing for food, and then they're all sitting, like, talking to Yeah, This is going to sound like a weird question, but are there groups, like the cool kids, and the, and the <laughs> like, that sort of thing, the geeks? <laughs> Do you want to no. Yes and no. Um, I suppose there are. I, you know, I'm not really in any group at all, and uh, my boss and I tend to go and sit in glorious isolation on our own. <laughs> that means you're and the we cool will kids. Sit and we will look. You and your boss and are we... the cool kids, clearly. Oh, I'm not sure if we're the cool kids, or we're just the ones that everybody steers away from. And it was uh, funny enough. Um, one of the Labour journalists, uh, Kevin Maguire, in fact, mm-hmm. who was sitting with my husband having lunch. And my boss and I walked past and they sort of had their, they were sort of side on. So I didn't know if they spotted us. So me and my boss just walked past and we were chatting. And apparently Maguire turned around to the husband and said, ah, look at that. Those two, 
up to no good. <laughs> they always look like they're up to no good. <laughs> so in that's his, the kind of impression that people have. Yeah. So it was very, very funny. And we, I mean, we weren't, we were, I don't know what we were talking about. Up to um, no good. Uh, <laughs> clearly. But that's the view that everybody has of us. And my boss is quite scary. So people sort of a little bit wary about going anywhere near her. Who's your boss? Are you allowed to Caroline say? Caroline Noakes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a well-known name then. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, she's sort of quite formidable. Um, yeah. And so I suppose that we, I, we do give off that air. I mean, most of the time we're talking about, I don't know, shoes or horses or <laughs> kids or something. But we obviously look as though we're plotting. Let's let's speak about kids. Then your son had an emergency operation recently, didn't he? He did. Yeah, How early hours of Tuesday morning. Mm. Um, he had to have his appendix out. So how did you? What was happening? Was he in pain or? or yeah, I had a phone call from the school. Um, he he boards at a school in Dover, which is yeah. about an hour away from where I live. Mm-hmm. And the medical centre phoned me to say that he had had a, a tummy ache and a headache, and he didn't feel very well. Mm. And they consulted a GP who had said it doesn't you know it doesn't sound great you need to get him looked at at A&E so they phoned me up to say look we can get an ambulance but it's a four-hour wait Mm. and I was like right okay do you know what I'll just give me an hour and a half and I'll be there I just had to move the rest of my day so I drove down took him to A&E and he was eventually admitted about I don't know half past eight in the evening yeah and then was taken down to theatre about half past midnight. Wow. So it was all... Uh, in pain all that li- time? Or yeah, was- he was. I mean, it wasn't terrible pain, but yeah, he was definitely uncomfortable and also very scared. Yeah. He How- hadn't been in hospital before. We've, we've managed to get to the grand old age of 13 without major incidents. So it was very frightening. Yeah, for both, for you, you know, and I've him. had my appendix out, so I was telling him you know, this is what I had and it was, you know, it's fine. And all of the, the nursing staff and the doctors, to be fair, were brilliant. They mm. came and explained everything, asked if he had any questions. They made him laugh a few times and just made the, the whole situation a lot easier. But because you can only have one person there, mm. my husband was back at home an hour away. Yeah. My son's father did come in because he doesn't live very far. He lives sort of 20 minutes from the hospital we were in. Mm-hmm. So that was quite nice. But when you're up on the ward, it was just me. Yeah. And it was really isolating and really quite scary. And you don't have anybody around you. And you can text people, fine. But yeah, it's, not it's not the same. I just wanted somebody, I suppose, to just give me a massive cuddle at one point. Mm. But also just to tell me that it would be okay. Sometimes we just need that massive cuddle, don't we? Somebody yeah, telling and I'm us not, that it's all right. I'm not normally one of those people, but no. I really, really could have done with it. <laughs> you know, sort of one o'clock in the morning. It always seems worse in, in, in that the, time in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I would have paid somebody to, to give me a cuddle at that point. It was, it, you know, you just felt so <laughs> awful and you felt so alone. That's borders on prostitution, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> But you just needed somebody. Sort of I know, absolutely. There. And and like you say, even if you're not that type of person in inverted commas, um, sometimes we just we just all need it. We just all need that that little that cuddle from I don't know maybe parents that we've lost, grandparents that we've lost to say, yeah. look, everything's all right. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah, you and 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 that's what you sort of realise when you're on your own and you you sort of 
sit there at one in the morning and you you think of all the things you want to say to people. Mm. It's a bizarre feeling. Mm-hmm. You go through conversations that you've had, you've gone through people that you've lost. You, It's a really odd place to be and because yeah. nothing's happening as well and and that's what I don't like I like I like to be doing something I'm not very good at just sitting and waiting mm. I like to be occupied and I like to have 10 things to think about so when you're forced to sit with nothing yeah it's it's for me it's very uncomfortable mm. yeah so so how is he so he's all right now then he's he's doing okay he's doing and really you... well he's how long was he in for? Um, he could go back to school on Sunday if he's well okay. enough. Yeah. And what, what's, what's he, how, how often is he at home? Is it the holidays? Yeah, it's holidays. He can come home at weekends, but actually he chooses not to. I was going to say, does he hate coming home then? If Like, like before we started recording, yes. you said he's, he's, he's with his mates all the time. So why would he want to? Yeah, no, he absolutely <laughs> loves it. And they have lessons on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday afternoon, there tends to be sports matches. And Sunday, now he's a bit older, he can go into, they have town leave. So they can go mm. into the town of Dover uh, with, with their friends. Yeah. So for him, yes, it's all very nice to come home. But there's far more exciting things to do as a 13-year-old with your friends. Absolutely. And I get that. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I do get that. And as lovely as it would be for him to come home, he'd have to be back by Sunday evening to start lessons again. So it, it, yeah. you sort of squash everything down into sort of 12 hours. Mm. So Plus, you wait for the holidays. See, if, if that was my school, this is the difference between his school and my school, clearly. If we were given um, town leave and we're in Dover, I think my school would have been on the ferries going on booze cruises. <laughs> I, I, my school wasn't the, the poshest. <laughs> I think his school, I think they put... Uh, the fear into them and and i, I say that like <laughs> they tried in my school <laughs> didn't work yeah no they've i mean they give them all of this freedom mm. and the one time that they step out of line it is taken away okay mm. so, so good boundaries absolutely good boundary and they all know what the boundaries are and boundaries and they are will so push important because they're kids and that's yeah, what yeah, happens yeah. But there are consequences mm. and the consequences are handed out. It doesn't matter what your excuse is. They're not having it. Yeah. It's, you know, right, fine. You lose. Um, it's a military school. I must explain that. Yeah. So if there's a sort of minor infraction, they can lose what they call their civvies rights, which means that they lose the right to change out of their school uniform into casual clothing. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, this so is interesting because this is a totally a different effect. world to me. <clears throat> yeah, but it's really good because it has the effect. Everybody knows that you've done something wrong because mm. you're still in your uniform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so for you, you have to go around with your shirt, tie, blazer when everybody else is in, you know, jogging bottoms and a hoodie. Mm. So it does work. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's the sort of first level. And then, it you know, there are sort of consequences that are, that are further up. You get... Um, you can't leave your house. You get house gated. Mm. So you can't leave your boarding house. So you can't go out and have fun with your friends because you've done whatever it is. You know, and it goes up from there and it does work. House They have, a, you know, a level of boundary. So they go into town and they behave because yeah. they're so frightened that that'll just get taken away. Mm. That they will make sure that they're back at the time they're supposed to be back. Even if they have to run all the way up a hill 
because they're late. Yeah. They will make sure they're on the grounds when they're supposed to be. Oh, they're kids. They can run up a hill. Just can't when you get to my age. (laughs) Definitely can't when you get to my age. Trust me on that. (laughs) I think we're close in age. I think from what you were saying about... you're a lot younger. No, because you were talking about Margaret Thatcher. You you said about something before and I thought, okay, so there there can't be that much difference in in our ages. Um, Although on my last podcast, I was was saying that I was 25, so... So let's just go with, I'm 25, you're 28. <laughs> That'll do. Yep, yep, I'll have that. <laughs> let's stick with that. Um, you mentioned house-gated there uh, in the in the school. They get house-gated. Um, which is worse, party-gate or beer-gate? <laughs> Ooh, you see, party-gate for me. <laughs> I was going to say, not the party line, just your personal take and be brave, but you were. and yeah. but, but then it shouldn't take bravery. It's honesty, isn't it? It um, is honesty. And that's, and that's the real difficulty that I have is that I'm honest about it I think that it's been but that shouldn't be a difficulty should it that's that's the weirdness about it and people are scared to do that and I did um I'm a a district councillor and I did a piece for my local media (laughs) your Amazon parcels just arrived (laughs) no was that yours was that was that your Alexa that just made a noise I think it was yeah your Amazon parcels just arrived not mine (laughs) How exciting. Oh, well, a second, wait a second. I, yeah. I don't even know what I ordered. How bad is that? <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I, so my local media spoke to me about Partygate and they said, you know, you're the only Conservative councillor that we've got that will be outspoken on this issue. Surely that should ensure your seat. Well, I think my people like me. I think my residents like me. I hope so, because that, that, that to me, that, that, that counts for a lot. Integrity, honesty. Um, I hope so. I just felt it was really interesting. They said they can't get anybody else to... People will go as far as to say, you know, it, it's not a great situation. And then they stop, whereas I just then plough on. And I think <laughs> I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror every day and know that I've done the right thing. Well, in which case, um, let's let's bring this to a close now. But you are on GB News every Friday between four and six. Yep, pretty much every Friday. Yep. I think. Between I mean, I have six. never. I said I sent you a text before saying yes. I'm a le- liberal lefty snowflake, so I've never watched GB News. I may make an exception tonight. <laughs> Do you know what? I think you'd be surprised. It depends which show you watch. The show that I do is actually quite a a good balanced debate i don't who know else who else is on the panel with. oh it's always different yeah i don't know i'll find out hopefully they'll tell me sort of soon yeah. and tell me what the what the subjects are but i haven't heard it yet and i just uh it's always a very good debate and it's a bit more balanced than some of the shows okay i may so, yeah, i may no, give I, that no, a watch yeah. then have, no. have a look and see what you think it's not I, as bad as perhaps you you think it's going to be i want a shout out <laughs> I'd definitely do that. State of Mind podcast. <laughs> State of exactly. Mind with Richard Sefton podcast is brilliant. You can tell everyone. <laughs> I will do that. Do you know, you dare me to do it, I'll do it. <laughs> oh my God, I do dare you to do it. I'm going to, oh, I'm so watching now tonight. I will take it on. Um, and, and try and grab Darren Grimes for me. <clears throat> I know he struggles yeah. with his mental health and I would love to speak to him because I don't think he does himself any favours either, bless no, him. No, I don't think he does. And, and, and this is the real problem. And I know we're trying to wrap up. Yeah. This is a really brutal arena that we work in, politics, mm. and then media. So you add politics and media together, and it's a real cauldron of nastiness. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are not quite, I suppose, stubborn 
eaten like I am and thick skinned, you yeah. get eaten up by it. Mm. And young people going into these careers, I worry for because I don't think they're quite prepared for what they've got to deal with. Yeah. Well, I was just going to I was just thinking then, yeah, because because he's he's changed political alliances a few times, hasn't he? Kind of like me, I suppose. Um, but now he's very sort of determinedly one way. Um, in fact, it was it was funny. I found out yesterday. Do you remember that? that, that um, I can't remember his name. Is it Ian Anderson who said that about the food banks the other day? Oh, Lee Anderson. Lee Anderson. And he was a Labour Party member until 2018. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that until yeah, yesterday. And then- I was like, what? Yeah, there, there's a lot of that. I know he's I mean, not Tory MP. UKIP members, ex-Labour members. Mm. What you don't get is an ex-Tory Labour member. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it goes one way but not the other. Uh, sorry, sorry. You know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Labour coming over to Tory. Yeah, mm-hmm. You get Tories going to Labour, you get Tories going to the Lib Dems, but you don't get the Labour Party. They're very, very tribal. Yeah. So you don't ever get that reverse pattern. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, it is actually. That's something to think on. Um, and on that note, I will um, thank you very much for joining me today um, and look forward to hearing my shout out tonight on GB News and Definitely. also that invite to come and uh, go through airport security and see the Houses of Parliament. <laughs> Please do. You're absolutely more than welcome. And thank you for having me. It's been a real treat. It's, it, it, it has actually. So thank thank you. Thank you for joining me. It's been lovely. Take care. Take and, care. And I wish your son well as well. So there we have it. Another thoroughly interesting conversation um, with somebody that I wouldn't normally have had the chance to speak to, I suppose. Um, so get out there. Talk to a stranger. You know, ask someone how they are. If you see them looking down, give somebody a smile, a random stranger. All these little things that we can do that don't really cost a thing. So take care. Enjoy your day. Uh, whatever you're doing enjoy the sun if you're up in north wales it's beautiful but yeah listen subscribe share go and talk